Chapter Three of The Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. From the day she stepped into it, Mrs. Murchison knew that the plumber place was going to be the bane of her existence this may have been partly because mr murchison had bought it since a circumstance welded like that into one's life is very apt to assume the character of a bane unless one's temperament leads one to philosophy which mrs murchison's didn't but there were other reasons more difficult to traverse it was plainly true that the place did require a tremendous amount of looking after as such things were measured in elgin far more looking after than the murchisons could afford to give it they could never have afforded in the beginning to possess it had it not been sold under mortgage at a dramatic sacrifice the house was a dignified old affair built of wood and painted white with wide green verandas compassing the four sides of it as they often did in days when the builder had only to turn his hand to the forest it stood on the very edge of the town wheat-fields in the summer billowed up to its fences and corn-stacks in the autumn camped around it like a besieging army the plank sidewalk finished there after that you took the road or if you were so inclined the river into which you could throw a stone from the orchard of the plumber place the house stood roomily and shadily in ornamental grounds with a lawn in front of it and a shrubbery at each side an orchard behind and a vegetable garden the whole intersected by winding gravel walks of which mrs murchison was wont to say that a man might do nothing but weed them and have his hands full in the middle of the lawn was a fountain an empty basin with a plaster triton most difficult to keep looking respectable and pathetic in his frayed air of exile from some garden of italy sloping to the sea there was also a barn with stabling a loft and big carriage doors opening on a lane to the street the originating plumber mrs murchison often said must have been a person of large ideas and she hoped he had the money to live up to them the murchisons at one time kept a cow in the barn till a succession of girls left on account of the milking and the lane was useful as an approach to the back yard by the teams that brought the cordwood in the winter it was trying enough for a person with the instinct of order to find herself surrounded by out-of-door circumstances which she simply could not control but mrs murchison often declared that she could put up with the grounds if it had stopped there it did not stop there though i was compelled to introduce mrs murchison in the kitchen she had a drawing-room in which she might have received the lieutenant-governor with french windows and a cut-glass chandelier and a library with an italian marble mantelpiece she had an ice-house and a wine-cellar and a string of bells in the kitchen that connected with every room in the house it was a negligible misfortune that not one of them was in order she had far too much as she declared for any one pair of hands and a growing family and if the ceiling was not dropping in the drawing-room the cornice was cracked in the library or the gas was leaking in the dining-room or the veranda wanted reflooring if anyone coming to the house was not to put his foot through it 
and as to the barn if it was dropping to pieces it would just have to drop the barn was definitely outside the radius of possible amelioration it passed gradually visibly into decrepitude and mrs murchison often wished she could afford to pull it down it must be realized that in spite of its air of being impossible to overtake i must in this connection continue to quote its mistress there was an attractiveness about the dwelling of the murchisons the attractiveness of the large ideas upon which it had been built and designed no doubt by one of those gentlefolk of reduced income who wander out to the colonies with a nebulous view to economy and occupation to perish of the readjustment the case of such persons when they arrive is at once felt to be pathetic there is a tacit local understanding that they have made a mistake they may be entitled to respect but nothing can save them from the isolation of their difference and their misapprehension it was like that with the house the house was admired without enthusiasm but it was not copied it was felt to be outside the general need misjudged adventitious and it wore its superiority in the popular view like a folly it was in elgin but not of it it represented a different tradition and elgin made the same allowance for its bedroom bells and its old-fashioned dignities as was conceded to its original master's habit of a six o'clock dinner with wine the architectural expression of the town was on a different scale beginning with frame rising through the semi-detached culminating expensively in mansard roofs cupolas and modern conveniences and blossoming in extreme instances into moorish fretwork and silk portieres for interior decoration the murchison house gained by force of contrast one felt stepping into it under influences of less expediency and more dignity wider scope and more leisured intention its shabby spaces had a redundancy the pleasanter and its yellow plaster cornices a charm the greater for the numerous close-set examples of contemporary taste in red brick which made surrounded by geranium beds so creditable an appearance in the west ward john murchison in taking possession of the house had felt in it these satisfactions had been definitely penetrated and soothed by them the more perhaps because he brought to them a capacity for feeling the worthier things of life which circumstances had not previously developed he seized the place with a sense of opportunity leaping sharp and conscious out of early years in the grey wines of a northern scottish town and its personality sustained him very privately but none the less effectively through the worry and expense of it for years he would take his pipe and walk silently for long together about the untidy shrubberies in the evening for the acute pleasure of seeing the big horse chestnuts in flower and he never opened the hall door without a feeling of gratification in its weight as it swung under his hand 
insofar as he could he supplemented the idiosyncrasies he found the drawing-room walls though mostly bare in their old-fashioned french paper lavender and gilt a grapevine pattern held a few good engravings the library was reduced to contain a single bookcase but it was filled with english classics john murchison had been made a careful man not by nature by the discipline of circumstances but he would buy books he bought them between long periods of abstinence during which he would scout the expenditure of an unnecessary dollar coming home with a parcel under his arm for which he vouchsafed no explanation and which would disclose itself to be lockhart or stern or borrow or defoe mrs murchison kept a discouraging eye upon such purchases and when her husband brought home chambers dictionary of english literature after shortly and definitely repulsing her demand that he should get himself a new winter overcoat she declared that it was beyond all endurance mrs murchison was surrounded indeed by more of that sort of thing than she could find use or excuse for since though books made but a sporadic appearance current literature daily weekly and monthly was perpetually under her feet the toronto paper came as a matter of course as the london daily takes its morning flight into the provinces the local organ as simply indispensable the westminster as the corollary of church membership and for sunday reading these were constant but there were also mutables once a week good words for the young blackwoods and the cornhill they used to be years of back numbers mrs murchison had packed away in the attic where edvina on rainy days came into the inheritance of them and made an early acquaintance with fiction in ready money mortaboy and verner's pride while lorne flat on his stomach beside her had glorious hours on the back of the north wind their father considered such publications and their successors essential like tobacco and tea he was also an easy prey to the subscription agent for works published in parts and paid for in installments a custom which mrs murchison regarded with abhorrence so much so that when john put his name down for masterpieces of the world's art which was to cost twenty dollars by the time it was complete he thought it advisable to let the numbers accumulate at the store whatever the place represented to their parents it was pure joy to the young murchisons it offered a margin and a mystery to life they saw it far larger than it was they invested it arguing purely by its difference from other habitations with a romantic past i guess when the prince of wales came to elgin mother he stayed here lorne remarked as a little boy secretly he and edvina took up boards in more than one unused room and rapped on more than one thick wall to find a hollow chamber the house revealed so much that was interesting it was apparent to the meanest understanding that it must hide even more 
it was never half lighted and there was a passage in which fear dwelt wild were the gallopades from attic to cellar in the early nightfall when every young murchison tore after every other possessed like cats by a demoniac ecstasy of the gloaming and the garden with the autumn moon coming over the apple trees and the neglected asparagus thick for ambush and a casual untrimmed boy or two with the delicious recommendation of being utterly without credentials to join in the rout and be trusted to make for the back fence without further hint at the voice of mrs murchison these were joys of the very fibre things to push ideas and envisage life with an attraction that made it worth while to grow up and they had all achieved it all six they had grown up sturdily emerging into sobriety and decorum by much the same degrees as the old house under john murchison's improving fortunes grew cared for and presentable the new roof went on slate replacing shingles the year abby put her hair up the bathroom was contemporary with oliver's leaving school the electric light was actually turned on for the first time in honor of lorne's return from toronto a barrister and solicitor several rooms had been done up for abby's wedding abby had married early and satisfactorily dr harry johnson who had placidly settled down to await the gradual succession of his father's practice dr harry and dr henry they were called dr harry lived next door to dr henry and had a good deal of the old man's popular manner it was an unacknowledged partnership which often provided two opinions for the same price the town prophesied well of it that left only five at home but they always had abby over in the west ward where abby's housekeeping made an interest and abby's baby a point of pilgrimage these considerations almost consoled mrs murchison declaring as she did that all of them might have gone but abby who alone knew how to be any comfort or any dependence in the house who could be left with a day's preserving and i tell you that to be left by mrs murchison with a day's preserving be it cherries or strawberries damsons or pears was a mark of confidence not easy to obtain Advina never had it Advina indeed might have married and removed no prop of the family economy mrs murchison would have been sorry for the man she maintained a candour toward and about those belonging to her that permitted no illusions but she would have stood cheerfully out of the way on her own account when you have seen your daughter reach and pass the age of twenty-five without having learned properly to make her own bed you know without being told that she will never be fit for the management of a house don't you very well then and for ever and for ever no matter what there was to do with a book in her hand mrs murchison would put an emphasis on the book which scarcely concealed a contempt for such absorption and if at the end of your patience you told her for any sake to put it down and attend to matters 
obeying in a kind of dream that generally drove you to take the thing out of her hands and do it yourself rather than jump out of your skin watching her sincerely mrs murchison would have been sorry for the man if he had arrived but he had not arrived edwina justified her existence by taking the university course for women at toronto and afterward teaching the english branches to the junior forms in the collegiate institute which placed her arbitrarily outside the sphere of domestic criticism mrs murchison was thankful to have her there outside where little more could reasonably be expected of her than that she should be down in time for breakfast it is so irritating to be justified in expecting more than seems likely to come mrs murchison's ideas circulated strictly in the orbit of equity and reason she expected nothing from anybody that she did not expect from herself indeed she would spare others in far larger proportion but the sense of obligation which led her to offer herself up to the last bolt of her energy made her miserable when she considered that she was not fairly done by in return pressed down and running over were the services she offered to the general good and it was on the ground of the merest justice that she required from her daughters some sort of interest in domestic affairs from her eldest she got no sort of interest and it was like the removal of a grievance from the hearth when edwina took up employment which ranged her definitely beyond the necessity of being of any earthly use in the house edwina's occupation to some extent absorbed her shortcomings which was much better than having to attribute them to her being naturally through other or naturally clever according to the bias of the moment mrs murchison no longer excused or complained of her daughter but she still pitied the man the boys of course were too young to think of matrimony they were still the boys the murchison boys they would be the boys at forty if they remained under their father's roof in the mother country men in short jackets and round collars emerge from the preparatory schools in the daughter lands boys in tailcoats conduct serious affairs alec and oliver in the business were frivolous enough as to the feminine interest for all dr drummond's expressed and widely known views upon the subject it was a common thing for one or both of these young men to stray from the family pew on sunday evenings to the services of other communions thereafter to walk home in the dusk under the maples with some attractive young person and be sedately invited to finish the evening on her father's veranda neither of them was guiltless of silk ties knitted or handkerchiefs initialed by certain fingers without repeating scandal one might say by various fingers for while the ultimate import of these matters was not denied in elgin there was a general feeling against giving too much meaning to them probably originating in a reluctance among heads of families to add to their responsibilities 
these early spring indications were belittled and laughed at so much so that the young people themselves hardly took them seriously but regarded them as a form of amusement almost conventional nothing would have surprised or embarrassed them more than to learn that their predilections had an imperative corollary that anything should of necessity come of it something of course occasionally did come of it and usually after years of attention a young man of elgin found himself mated to a young woman but never under circumstances that could be called precipitate or rash the cautious blood and far sight of the early settlers who had much to reckon with were still preponderant social characteristics of the town they cleared the site for meanwhile however flowers were gathered and all sorts of evanescent idyls came and went in the relations of young men and maidens alec and oliver murchison were already in the full tide of them from this point of view they did not know what to make of lorne it was not as if their brother were in any way ill calculated to attract that interest which gave to youthful existence in elgin almost the only flavour that it had looks are looks and lorne had plenty of them taller by an inch than alec broader by two than oliver with a fine square head and blue eyes in it and features which conveyed purpose and humour lighted by a certain simplicity of soul that pleased even when it was not understood open people said he was and frank so he was frank and open with horizons and intentions you could see them in his face perhaps it was more conscious of them than he was ambition definitely shining goals adorn the perspectives of young men in new countries less often than is commonly supposed lorne meant to be a good lawyer squarely proposed to himself that the country should hold no better and as to more selective usefulness he hoped to do a little stumping for the right side when frank jennings ran for the ontario house in the fall it wouldn't be his first electioneering from the day he became chairman of the young liberals the party had an eye on him and when occasion arose winter or summer by bobsleigh or buggy weather-beaten local bosses would convey him to country schoolhouses for miles about to keep a district sound on railway policy or education or tariff reform he came home smiling with the triumphs of these occasions and offered them with the slow good-humoured capable drawl that inspired such confidence in him to his family at breakfast who said great or good for you lorne john murchison oftenest said nothing but would glance significantly at his wife frowning and pursing his lips when she who had most spirit of them all would exclaim you will be premier yet lorne it was no part of the murchison policy to draw against future balances they might believe everything they would express nothing and i doubt whether lorne himself had any map of the country he meant to travel over in that vague future 
already defining in local approbation and law business coming freely in with a special eye on the junior partner but the tract was there subconscious plain in the wider glance the alerter manner plain even in the grasp and stride which marked him in a crowd plain too in the preoccupation with other issues were it only turning over a leader in the morning's dominion that carried him along indifferent to the allurements i have described the family had a bond of union in their respect for lorne and this absence of nugatory inclinations in him was among its elements even stella who being just fourteen was the natural mouthpiece of family sentiment would declare that lorne had something better to do than go hanging about after girls and for her part she thought all the more of him for it End of chapter 3